0: PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? Good. David, you know.
1: I, I owe you a phone call. I'm sorry.
0: David, you know you are brought to us by the Murdoch Auto Team.
1: I do. The Murdoch Auto Group. There Blake, Tyson, Ben, the crew. 90 years in Utah, you know.
0: The Murdoch Auto team bringing you David Locke this morning and David we have to talk about uh something other than jazz to start this off uh people familiar with your podcast uh group the uh locked on sports so are you still running the show there I know you're cutting you're cutting mega deals now are you still gonna you' still gonna have your hands in this thing
1: I think I'll keep my hands in it I'll oversee um i've got we've got a staff of people and now we're part of a massive company that um can probably do most of the things I was doing better than I was. Um, I'm certain of a lot of that. So I'll stay. I'll, I'll stay pretty heavily engaged. But I, um, I've got a support crew that's um, capable of doing an awful lot of stuff better than I was. That's great, man. I'm happy for you. Thank you, PK.
2: <laughs> I'm happier about of-
1: the Jazz. I was going to say, there's a note of, actually, I don't really give a crap, but I have to say this, so I will. So I appreciate that part of you.
2: <laughs> we bring you on to talk about the jazz. Uh, and right. here, this ball club, it's just a question of what can continue. And when you look at stuff, what do you see that you basically know you know maybe not every single game but most games eight out of ten going forward that you believe that are not guarantees but you can pretty well count on them doing xyz what is that so i mean the first one to me is rudy
1: like i know he's not thought of in the league as a top five superstar and i'm not trying to rank top five or top ten players but When you look at game impact, he certainly is. There's just, there are not many players that impact the game uh, on both ends of the floor. We might have, I never looked it up, but we might have run 90 pick and rolls the other night against Dallas. Like, he was crazy. Um, And so you can, you know, his, and he had 29 the other night because Dallas, to me, was the first team that said, okay, we're not letting you shoot threes. And then if you don't, then fine. Okay, don't let us shoot threes. We'll just throw it to Rudy at the rim all night. Um, and then on the defensive end, it's just remarkable what he does on a night. It's just truly incredible on a nightly basis. I mean, Luca must have curled out seven, eight times the other night. Um, and so, you know, I think he's so great that we have a we have an, a superstar in regards to impact. And so, you know, you have that every night, and that that you know that changes everything for us.
0: So the Jazz are shooting the ball very well, but because they shot 38% last year and led the league, and because they've been running second to the Clippers this year, uh, the Clippers are shooting really, really well from three right now, and and they're leading the league at 41.8%. But the Jazz are next at 39.7. So the Jazz have improved a little more than a point and a half, and they're still second in the league. I'm thinking... There is no in any game you can shoot the ball poorly. You might even shoot it poorly for a week, but when you look at this at the end of the year, there's no way they're going to be 12th in three point shooting. They're going to be one of the elite teams in the league. Is do you have any worry about their shooting going
1: forward? No, and this is what I think makes the most interesting. So, um, and in, and by the way, that number's a little higher in non blowout times. So I think it's about 40 percent if you take out the and they've been just. You know, we were up twenty on the Clippers and twenty five on the Bucks, right? Like, and we've just been blowing everyone out recently. I mean, and against the Clippers and Bucs, which are, you know, there's five teams in the NBA to me right now. Maybe, maybe six if you're buying Philadelphia, but I'm not. Um, that are better than everyone else: the the Bucks in the East, and then Denver, Utah, Clippers, and Lakers. And so the Jazz have been up 25 on Milwaukee and led for 44 or 48 minutes, and we're up 20 on the Clippers and led for 44 or 48 minutes. Um, but the, back to your comment about the shooting, what's most interesting to me on that, DJ, is they're taking 40% of their shots as threes. Um, I think that number could come down a little bit because their rate of off-the-bounce threes is, is up, but so is their rate of catch-and-shoot. And this is the, one of the great catch-and-shoot teams the league's ever seen. So here's what gets interesting if they do continue to take 40% of their shots as threes, which is the goal, there's only been five teams in the history of the NBA that have done that. And none of them have shot better than 37% as a team. Of those five that have done it, they ranked first, first, second, second, and seventh in offense. And only one of them had a top 10 defense. That was
2: the Houston Rockets when they won sixty-five games. Yeah, that's a lot of games. Uh, with all that in mind, it's really tell us a lot why. in
1: a seventy-two game schedule.
2: <laughs> oh, <but> in seventeen <laughs> game schedules off the charts. Yeah, I don't know that we'll see that, but nevertheless, uh, that would be incredible if we did. Uh, a lot of Jazz fans, you know, they they've been through the ringer with this team for many many years. Tell them
1: why they shouldn't. Get their hopes up, or why they should. Well, can we can we back up to like the concept? I do agree with you that most jazz and feel what you just said—that they've been through the ringer. So what? We've won more games than any other franchise, with the Spurs in the last twenty years. Is that right? Maybe the Lakers. I don't think so. I think we got the second most wins like in the last twenty years. So, like, if but, that's going through but the ringer. Still true. Um,
2: yeah,
0: but it's about I mean, it's getting to the playoffs and not winning the championship. It's it's not about the number of regular season wins.
1: Um, yeah, we could have this discussion another time. I mean, if that's your one standard, you're not going to be a very happy sports fan forever. I personally am kind of in for the seven month run of like excitement and enjoyment and night to night. And our, and our run has been about as good as you can get in the league, um, if you take it back 30 years, I bet you we've maybe only the Spurs have won more games. So, um, I mean, the only thing I would say is I'm, cynic and i go look for everything that's wrong and i certainly didn't think we were very good early in the year i mean i'm not going to pretend that like oh i saw this coming like i did i just thought the whole thing looked off for the first you know eight games of the season and just a really kind of not playing hard and and just didn't look right like it just i was really concerned so i don't want to act like oh i've seen this but i i would say that like Point differential is the number one indicator in the NBA of what's about to happen next. So, that, you know, there's statistics that tell you what has happened, and there's statistics that will tell you what's coming. And point differential is the one that generally tells you what's coming. And if you look, and I don't know if you can pull it up at nba.com slash stats or cleaning the glass, DJ, but if you look, um, I think in this order, it's Utah Clippers, or excuse me, Utah Lakers, I don't know, after last night. Utah Lakers, Bucks, Clippers, Nuggets, Celtics. I can't remember who seven is. But if you look at those seven, the other six make complete sense, right? If I were to ask you who the best teams in the NBA are, that's your answer. So the fact that every other team there makes sense and the one that doesn't look like it's in the right spot is Utah at one. Leads me to believe that we're just, just the the national perspective or my own perspective on Utah is wrong. Not that the stat is wrong, if that makes sense, right? When you when you run, it's like the way I have an offensive metric which I haven't run that I'll run today. I do it on Fridays, and Rudy usually he won't be this year, but usually Rudy's been in the top five of most impactful offensive players. Well, when the other five are LeBron, Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and James Harden and then Rudy's fifth, then it's not that the list is wrong that Rudy's there. It's that we're wrong in how we evaluate Rudy. It's the same way I felt about Kyle Korver. I used to, when Kyle Korver was in Atlanta, they were winning 60, you know, they won 60 games that year, and nobody could figure out why. It was because of Kyle Korver. And, again, you ran the list then, and the top ten offensive players all made sense, except for Kyle Korver. Well, that's just because we don't understand Kyle Korver, not because the list doesn't make sense.
0: Got a uh, question here from a, uh, a listener. Uh, Zach says... Well, what, is J,
1: what does Jake Hatch want to know?
0: <laughs> Zach. Many things. Zach says, do you guys think the Jazz have an edge over the rest of the league by having fans at the home games? Do you think it's contributed to this 10-game win streak? Now, I'm not in the arena. Watching on TV, I would say it has maybe a little impact, but pretty minimal. There's so few people. But you're in the arena for home games. What do you think?
1: It has to have some impact. I think the biggest storyline of the season is the no fans. The blowouts, the home teams losing has had the has had a tremendous impact on the season. I I haven't checked the latest numbers, but I believe road teams last time I checked had won more games than home teams. I mean that's a pretty huge, it's usually fifty nine percent, I think. It's a pretty dramatic change. And you know, early in the year everybody's wondering about the blowouts, is it because of lack of training camp? Is it because of COVID roster? Issues and and my take on that was it was because of lack of fans and if you looked it was the home teams getting blown out. It it might be small and might be subtle, but the standing ovation they got at the end of the second quarter the other night when they were just so brilliant against Dallas and the crowd came to their feet. It, they can hear it, 1,500 people, like or and more and more it feels like. But I don't know what our number is that we have in the arena right now. Um, it, it like I think it matters. Um, you know, there's two things that I think will be interesting to to keep an eye on here. Um, if you actually do the analytics on home court advantage, it it does not exist except for in Denver and Utah. Um, teams that win a lot of home games are usually just good, and that's that's why they win home games. It's not because of the home court advantage, because they're good. The Celtics win a lot at the Garden when they had Larry Bird and Kevin McHale because they were good. The two teams that outperformed their natural performance over the extended period of time are Utah and Denver, which is altitude. So, if there's truly no home court advantage because the home and road teams are winning the same and Utah and Denver are winning more at home, um, then that's consistent to what it's been for the years but feels like a little bit of a bigger deal than ever before. And it's probably worth watching You know what the five or six arenas that have crowds are doing compared to those that don't. I, I do think it's having an impact. Is
2: anybody on this team playing way above their capability?
1: maybe jordan clarkson in some of the shooting numbers i think but we'll see him and i was had a conversation with jordan the other day on zoom about how quinn just has given these guys just such a kind of unbending green light of freedom and how does it impact him and you know his he said just you know you shoot better you you're free you're not You're not worrying about whether or not you can take that shot or whether you should take that shot. I mean, Quinn has clearly established with these guys that if they don't take 40% of their shots as threes, he's going to be far more upset than if they go five for 40.
0: But at the same time, having they coached him up on – these are the shots that you shoot the best. These are the shots you need to stay away from. Not so much from the uh, you know, the drill sergeant, I will penalize you in bench you mode, but just like, hey, you're already good. This is going to make you better. Because it seems to me like Clarkson, his natural default when he got here was to put the ball on the floor, which you get. He's pretty good at that. And, of course, he's had success with it over time, so he trusts it. But he shoots more catch-and-shoot threes now without even thinking it. Like somebody throws him a pass, and he just turns and lets it go. You know, and so it does feel like he's been coached up, and he's been willing. You know, he's made himself coachable too, and so he, he's. I think he's he's passing the ball better than he did when he first got here, which makes sense because he's more comfortable, knows the offense, and trusts guys.
1: So I think there's been a coaching up on catch and shoot. Um, I think Quinn's basically tried to explain, got these guys to understand that that shooting window can be pretty small, and you can still let it rip. Um, you know, we have the last year we had the best catch and shoot team in the league and we were like 21st or 22nd in attempts. So, um, if you can get yourself up to thirteen 14th in attempts, and I mean, even if your percentage drops a little bit, it's a good, good call. Um, and then, and that's not a small sample size that's last year, but also if you go back over the last four years on standstill, catch and shoots, Donovan's number two in the NBA behind Joe Harris. Boyan's like 20th in the league. Conley's like I think 13th in the league, Joe George and Jordan are all about the exact same at about 30th in the NBA. So you've got your five, five shooters. I'm forgetting somebody in this group. Uh, Royce is right up in there as well. You know, you got your six shooters, um, six or seven shooters on this roster are all elite, elite level. Um, for those that are stats geeks, effective field goal percentage is over 62% for all of them on catch and shoot standstill threes. So, You know, yeah, certainly you're trying you've kind of been they've been told on that one. The one where I do see the freedom is um is the either walk up three in transition or the off the bounce three on the pick and roll, um, which actually are not generally very high percentage shots. They're kind of shots that you know the Milwaukee Bucks have made a living kind of letting people take and our guys are playing with some freedom on that, um and shooting it well. I I think in regards to sustainability as a unit, um, Our defensive effective field goal percentage and our offensive effective field goal percentage are a little too far off the natural norm for the end of the season, a little bit particularly on the defensive end. If you go back through the history, teams are not usually more than two percentage points off the norm, so the standard deviation, and I think we're about three and a half right now. So that'll come down. Like our defensive effective field goal percentage, our offense is a little high, too, but we might just be an elite shooting team, which if you go back, like the Warriors were five percentage points better than league average, and I think we're three and a half right now. So that may or may not move, but otherwise there's nothing that we're doing that seems abnormal.
2: Okay, so if that defensive thing comes back to norm, does that translate into fewer wins, though?
1: So it means our – I think our differential right now is like 12, and so it brings us down to like eight or nine. Okay. Okay. Right, like, so then we're on pace to win a nine-point differential. So I can't do this quite off the top of my head, but I think is about um, traditionally. Sorry, I'm just trying to do math and it hurts. I think that's about a 57, 58 win team. Um, in instead, full, we're in pacing a, right now at like
0: 64, in a, in a full season, right? When you say in 50 a full season. season, yeah,
1: okay. Right, so we're borderline 60-win team if the numbers come down, and right now we're pacing at like 65, 66, which is a little absurd.
0: So short-term questions. Do you have any idea how long Donovan Mitchell will be in concussion protocol or how bad Derek Favors' uh, um, back stuff is, uh, how long they might be out? Any, any clue on that?
1: Mm, only, I, I, um, I'm pretty tentative to talk about injuries. I think we'll see them both pretty soon. I do think the Favors sitting out due to back soreness will be the beginning. We're at that stage of the season and I think we're going to start seeing universally across the league, but I think with the Jazz as an older team with some Knicks, like I would suspect that we start to see Mike miss some games. I would suspect that Joe might still miss some games. I would you know, uh, Boyan will beat you up before he lets you miss a game, but I think they'll be a little – Derek will probably miss some more. I I think we're going to – the depth is going to – Jawan Morgan, Mia um are going to get tested here. Um, and, have to, and have to contribute. Um, I think we're just going to begin to see they're playing 20 games in a month. It's crazy. Like you just can't really play everyone every game anymore. Like you've got to slow this down at some point. And I know we're hot and you're reluctant not to, but just logical deduction that at this point of the season we're going to start seeing this universally across the league where players who are nicked if you're at all nicked up and you don't take the day off, you're going to have playing three games in five nights, and then you're going to be in a bad place. So you're going to have to take a few nights off.
0: Well, there were only four games in the NBA last night, and we saw a lot of star power on the bench for one reason or another. So if the Jazz have guys missing games, well, Kawhi and Paul George and Patrick Beverly and Drogic and uh, Devin Booker and Anthony Davis and Jimmy Butler. I mean, (laughs) there weren't even that many games, and look at all the big names that were out. So it's just the Jazz will be dealing with what everybody else is dealing
1: with. And this might be a year where our depth and continuity is more important than ever before. Um, Well, the continuity seems to be, and it's interesting. Quinn talks about the continuity as a defensive aspect, not an offensive aspect. Um, But I, I do think that we'll, you know, I just think that that's, and. You know, you made a great point last week, DJ, that I think really resonated, that the one seed actually has some importance because you don't want the Lakers or Clippers. Denver's not that far off, though. Um, so, I mean, you're, there's going to be a really significant separation in the Western Conference in the top four from the rest of the West. I think that, you know, Phoenix is okay, but they're not, they're not a top four team that people thought they were going to be. San Antonio, Portland, Golden State are okay, but they're not. There's just a big, big separation between the top four teams in the West. So, yes, I do think you would prefer to not see the Lakers and Clippers, but you'd way prefer to be healthy. And I think you know we're gonna we're pretty we're 25% of the way through the season. We're gonna begin to see that.
0: David, as always, we appreciate it, and we will uh, hear you on the broadcast tonight.
1: Thank you, guys, and PK, your yeah. sincerity is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you. Thanks. I know you are actually.
0: Once you can fake sincerity, you've got it made. That's right.
1: Thank you, David. See you guys.
0: You to know. <laughs> when we come back, Dale Murphy, Atlanta Braves legend. Stay with us. The big, the big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Utah Jazz, Dennis Lindsey with us. Dennis, we thought you're going to be in a pretty good mood jumping on the show today. Your team's playing great. <laughs> yeah, they've come together and we're pleased with the results thus
3: far. We've got a lot of work to do. We're only at the quarter pole, but uh, we've defended well. Got back to a previous Jazz level and Quinn has designed a really unique offense based upon spacing and shooting and sharing the ball when a guy's really believe in the system that Hughes developed what we promise is we'll just continue to work hard and be humble and honest with ourselves and hopefully we can make a good account for the season catch the big
0: show weekdays from two to seven presented by big O tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network dj pk it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone we are brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Mark Miller Subaru bringing you DJ and PK in the morning. And right now, Mark Miller Subaru bringing you Dale Murphy as well. Dale, good morning.
3: Hey, David. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good. The only
0: guy who doesn't call us DJ and PK. So formal, Dale.
3: DJ and PK. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> That's
0: okay. We answer lots of names, including a bunch of stuff you probably shouldn't say on the radio. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well we wanted to have we wanted to have you on for multiple reasons. We got a lot of questions run by you, but I, I guess the first thing is what was your reaction when you heard the baseball hall of fame wasn't going to uh, have anyone in the class of twenty twenty one? Now it's odd they didn't induct the last class, so assuming they do the inductions, there'll still be guys in Cooperstown going in the hall, but they didn't elect anyone this year, and I wondered what your reaction was.
3: Well, I it's just uh I I've, I've always thought that Every year someone should go in i think I think it's just they've whenever that happens it misses opportunity. I think the you know look i i'm I'm uh eligible again in three or four years, so sometimes it's hard for me to um give too many opinions about the voting and thing 'cause and because 'cause I'm thankful for the chance to be considered again uh they've actually changed things you know for guys from my era so to, to give us more consideration, so I'm very grateful for that. But I think, I think everybody is kind of wondering what kind of system work, or if it really does work. There's a lot of controversy about that. It's a really different kind of uh, a system. When no one goes in, there's there's people that are um, worthy of it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And and when someone doesn't go in, now they're going to catch a little bit of a break. Because if the ceremony does go on as uh, scheduled this year, they'll have the 2020 uh, inductees to celebrate. But I, it, to me, if, if, if everything, you know, was normal and we missed a year of induction, it, it, I just don't think it's good for baseball. An opportunity to market the game, which we need, um, you know, and the town of Cooperstown is, relies on it so much um and it's such a great place to visit it's a great opportunity to market the game so they're still going to maybe get that opportunity with the last class but whenever this happens you know i, kinda, I just kind of shake my head it's just it's really a different system when no one goes in to your hall of fame when there are people that should be going in
2: so obviously kurt schilling is the man uh, of the hour so to speak when regarding whether he should be in or shouldn't be in you know i'm a baseball guy i watched two hours of that turned on the tv the other day because i knew it was coming watch two hours of the baseball network and there's a lot of talk of of, of Schilling and his right right wing views and all that stuff it's not anything that i would necessarily endorse but i try to separate that and like for me I maintain a John Wooden vote for best college player of the year, and they put in character and all that, but they separate that out so the voter doesn't have to do it. The committee that forms the list of guys takes care of that for you, and then you vote one through ten, one being the winner and then ten being you know the least guy but ever on the ballot. So I don't have to worry about that. They handle that. One of the things that caught my eye, is that Harold Reynolds was saying there was a lot of talk about his views, and they seem extreme to one degree or another. But he said, go back and ask his teammates that played with him what they think of him because those are the guys that are with him day in and day out from February all the way to October. And I believe, if I'm correct, that you actually shared a season with Kurt Schilling as far as that goes. They were both on the Phillies, I think, in, if I remember correctly, 1992 uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but anyway, what do you think about yeah. all this other stuff that is perceived as uh, character flaws or issues relative to on-field performance?
3: Yeah, we were. Yeah, it, there's a little co- caveat or whatever the word is uh, on the '92 season because I was I was on the DL and in Atlanta recovering from staff infection. I missed most of the, that year, but I was around the team. I was with Kurt and, uh, for, for that year, basically. And, and, uh, I, I don't, I don't really, uh, I've never heard anything, um, and never noticed anything. You know, I, he was a great teammate. I mean, I just, there was no, you know, nothing that, you know, uh, concerned me there. The, the, there is a, there's a, there's a challenge now. First of all, I, I understand and I've been asked a lot about the character clause and, and, uh, the, the challenge we, we have now, there's, there's one thing about, I think what, <laughs> uh, let me think here. So I, I kind of agree. As far as political views, uh, I would separate them. The, the challenge we're having now is this isn't a conservative liberal thing that, that happened. What would give me pause? As a voter, is his, you know, uh, um, his what what I saw was an endorsement of uh, the January sixth riot, you know, in our Capitol building. So, if I was a voter, I'd be like, that's not really a political view to me. That's a real concern. I'll I'll be, you know, from a lot of voters called in and wanted their their vote changed. It it just to me that just that is I before that, I I just want to say that the January 6th tweet is what really concerns me about what Kurt did. There was before that you can say conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican. I'll, 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 you know, I'll uh, certainly pass on that. But there was a, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more explanation. If I was a voter about his, uh, um, seemingly endorsement of what was going on on January 6th. I'll be right up front with you. If I was a voter, I'd, I'd want some more explanation about that event. Now, prior to that, um, you know, I know he's said what he said or, you know, but I would, I, I, I probably would have voted for him. And the funny thing is he's got a big problem with a group of people that were 16 votes shy of putting him in the Hall of Fame anyway. <laughs> So he probably would have gone yeah. in next year. I, I think, uh, I think Kurt is, I'll, be, I'll be. I'll tell you. Here's my opinion. Kurt. It, it seems like he's he's changed over the years. That's the best as I can say it. Um, and and some of these things, if I was a voter, I, I would say I not. I wouldn't say some of the things. I'd say the January sixth tweet uh, would concern me as a voter. That's all I would say. But I agree. I th- I think we got to be very careful about political opinions uh, or political stances. To me, that wasn't. I'm just talking personally. That that's not a political. St- I, I just that really concerns me. If that makes any sense to me, endorsement of right. what happened on January 6th, if if indeed that's what he was doing, is not a is is a point where I would draw the line personally. Uh, other than that is baseball skills and around the locker room I, I have no issues with no issues with so that uh, uh I, I think I was I, you know trying to make some sense there I, I think that is how I would feel if I was a voter
0: for so, Kurt so to, Tony Kornheiser who used to write in the Washington Post and is now on ESPN's Pardon the Interruption podcast radio guy as well he had a line once about a I'm Paraphrase that may be a little off, but if you took all the cheaters, the scoundrels, and the liars out of the Hall of Fame, you could put the thing in a broom closet, which is a pretty good line.
3: Well, and with that, no, I and I and I understand that too. And 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 I, I, I what you said, PK, uh, um, about the the nominees you get for the Wooden Award, you know, are kind of being selected and then you have the nominees. I don't know. We got we got the the Hall of Fame and baseball. We got to get together and talk. We got to talk this out <laughs> because so, voters are kind of left hanging. You know, now they become the the judges of moral character. I mean, that's a, a real challenge for them. And some of them, you know, just ignore it. Some of them take it very seriously. I think you just got to kind of figure this out, give them some direction And a lot of other people say, no, that's the whole point of it is they, so I don't know, maybe we just, you know, need to, you know, come together and figure this out.
0: So going off that whole thought that, you know, there's a lot of people who have, uh, you know, I don't know, questionable backgrounds or controversial issues or whatever. I think if I were a voter, which I'm not, I think that I would be in favor of putting the whole story on the plaque But the best players in baseball history need to be in based on the baseball playing. And this goes not only if the issue is politics with Shilling or maybe somebody else going forward, but for Rose and the gambling and for the whole generation of guys who's been tainted by steroids. And I think if I were a voter, I could vote for Rose and I don't like it. And I get why he was never allowed to manage. He's 80, so that's not really so much of a question. Um, But he has the most hits he should be in the Hall. Bonds, you know, I think I can actually look at his stats and figure out what year he started doing the PED thing. But he was firmly and obviously a Hall of Famer in my mind before all that happened. And I could vote for uh, Clemens for the same reason. I was telling PK the other day, I don't know... Then I could vote for A-Rod. There's something about getting busted twice, and more of his career was in the steroid era. If I dug into it more, I don't know which way I'd go. I'm a, I'm a little gray there. Palmero, I feel like he's a creature of steroids and I wouldn't vote, I wouldn't vote for him. Um, but I wonder about just putting it, hey, this guy gambled and got banned from baseball, and it's on his plaque, but his plaque should be in there. The history of baseball should all be in a museum somewhere. It's Cooperstown. I should be able to go there. And see these guys' plaques, and see the complete history of baseball, warts and all. Would you be okay with that? Do you think most writers could come around to that if, if they hashed it out the way you were talking, and we all got on the same page? Or, or is Rose like a bridge too far, and I'm an outlier here?
3: Well, I've, I've, I've kind of uh, on Pete, I've said before publicly. I th- it, per- personally, I'm not in favor of lifetime bans. I think whatever it's been 40, 50 years is a, is a good enough ban, <laughs> you know, is it's like, you know, anyway, so, so uh, uh, on the, uh, the, the other, the steroid situations, I would, again, I, I would be in the, the camp that pro- that wouldn't vote for him, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to convince other people of that. Uh, but that would probably be my stance because, you know, it's just uh, just the w- the way I feel about it. But uh, it looks like they're eventually going to get seventy five percent. So, um, you know, so I'm probably in the minority.
1: Um,
3: so I, I, I don't know. It's uh, it it just uh, really, you know, uh, it, it's just it's it's unfortunate. There's so much controversy about it because the game needs more good marketing and good publicity, and every year this comes up and just is terrible for the game. So, um, you know, it'd be good, I think, to get some clarification on it.
2: So, Dale, we know all about Hank Aaron's ability out on the field. It played out over 25 years, and it was absolutely sensational. There's not a whole lot you can say. We saw it but obviously I'm assuming you knew him personally. Tell us what your thoughts are as far as Hank Aaron, the man.
3: Well, you know, I, I, when I was a kid and I signed with the Braves, um, I was just a kid, didn't really, you know, understand. The older I've got, the more I've learned about what Hank went through. Um, you know, describing the, the year prior to breaking Hank's uh d- prior to breaking Babe's record is the worst year of his life, um, you know, really gave me pause and start reading and understanding the tremendous uh, pressures. Uh, you know, it's hard to play the game anyway, just when going out when your kids are home sick with the flu. I mean, you still got to go out and play. And I, I just will never understand um, uh, you know I'll, I'll never understand first for being a a white ball player that played uh in the late 70s and 80s and on and, and not being an african-american player playing in the in the 50s and the 60s uh, i'll just never understand how you could go out and compete the way he did and he's the best all-around player i mean I've seen people say Barry Bonds is the best player in the game ever. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm sorry, just, just look at what Hank did. And, um, all round, I mean, and you, you add the degree of difficulty of playing in the era he played in, there's no comparison between players. Um, you know, and I'm not discounting the other, um, things and, and, overt racism that other um, african-american players went through what i'm saying is hank surpassed all of them as far as what he did for the game on the field and how he did it and how he did it under unreal circumstances i mean you'll you'll notice in the 715th home run when he's rounded the bases and those fans getting back to the era we played in when fans ran on the field and I mean, first of all, I can imagine the lack of security to let fans on the field. But he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know if they were there to harm him or what. I mean, it scared him. And, and so, you know, not being able to go home after the game, um, uh, staying at the ballpark, security with his family. I mean, um, just very scary situations that I'll never comprehend. And then to come through it, and and with the, 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 the words of dignity and grace that he did, I'm sure inside there were a few fires burning, and there were, uh, you know, in ink. But, uh, you know, to move on and then, you know, set the example he did, and then I just considered myself so lucky to be able to rub shoulders with him occasionally. Um and uh, have him be—you know—he was over the minor leagues when I was in the in the in the major league, so I didn't work with him directly. But uh, he was part of our organization, and his spirit permeated the whole thing. This is this, the, the whole organization. This this is how you play ball, and this is how you carry yourself as a human being.
0: So I'm curious if um, how much you really understood as a rookie, and it's probably different than how you understood it at the end of your career, how you understand it now. But as, uh, as we see these tremendous salaries pour in and these huge contracts, and every generation is cashing in, standing on the shoulders of a previous generation. And the, Hank is actually multiple generations, partly because of how long he played. And then he was such a great ambassador for baseball afterwards. He kept selling the sport long after he was retired. I was just getting started in radio in Santa Barbara, market 170 or whatever. And he did a radio interview with me. I called Braves PR, and they hooked us up. And I'm thinking, how many of these has this guy done? And and how much does that vault the sport forward when you think of all his contributions, not just while he's playing for the 20-plus years, but even afterwards?
3: Yeah, and his foundational will change lives. You know, generations of families uh, giving kids an opportunity uh, to succeed, Um and so it's it's a it's a legacy that uh you know just will go on forever it, it, there's there's just no uh, no comparison in, in you know in my book there just is uh you know he was just uh, he, uh, he, you just felt something different i guess is the best way to put it. you 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 felt something different in his presence and um uh you know and that is uh Uh, a remarkable um, life that was lived and uh, I'll be anxious to see what baseball and what the Braves do this year to, to remember him. And uh, there's a lot of talk uh, about changing the name of the Braves and things, uh, but uh, I, I would like to see sooner rather than later, um, you know, uh, Henry Aaron field at Truist park. I think, you know, that's the least, uh, I think its truest uh, bank is, is in charge of the naming right So, um, you know, working with the Braves to get some kind of recognition. But, you know, there's a um, the remarkable life, I guess. It, it's, um, you know, it's hard to say enough good words uh, and admiration about how he handled himself and, you know, what he went through. I just, again, I can't imagine, you know, going out there with death threats. I talked to a friend of mine, Bruce Hurst, who played with the Red Sox and and against the Yankees uh, in the 80s and, you know, all those tense years with their rivalry. And he said, you know, we got death threats from Yankee fans, but we never thought anything of it. You know, we're just like, "Ah, that's a crazy Yankee fan. But, you know, (laughs) Hanks, when you add a racial component to it and you get some crazies, you know, it's scary stuff. Yeah, I don't think any white
2: uh, Caucasian Red Sox were lynched, like uh, obviously the yeah. uh, like his race had been, and particularly in that region of the country. So I would imagine you would have taken every one of those uh, to some degree of seriousness, and you couldn't just blow them yeah, off.
3: absolutely. And then yeah, and then you know during the minor leagues, you know your apprentice years, learning your craft, not being able to stay at the hotel, not being able to eat where the other players eat. I mean, it's. You know, the, the, I mean, I just can't imagine.
0: Well, Dale, as always, it's good to have you on. Uh, we'll have to have you back on and uh, find out if you really believe that the Padres have made the moves that could catch the Yeah, Dodgers. I was figuring,
2: Dale, I was wondering, are you going to come out of retirement and join the Padres
0: too? <laughs> Why not?
2: <laughs>
3: hey, that that team is hot. I like the, that team. It'll be good. You know, baseball needs the Padres, really. We're always going to have the Dodgers and the Yankees uh, but we need other teams to compete, so you know, let's uh, let's hope so.
0: That would be good. I hope it works out. Dale, thanks That's for rude. a few minutes. We appreciate it.
3: All right, DJ and PK, I got it in there. <laughs> <laughs> nice, David, Patrick.
0: Yeah, so, all right, so formal. Thank you, Dale. All right, guys. All right, there's Dale Murphy, Braves legend, right there. DJ and PK. Hey, yeah, Snaggy. Before we go. I just saw something. I was looking
2: up some baseball stuff while we were talking. Yeah. If Tony Gwynn, may he rest in peace, obviously, Mr. Padre, if he were to come back and make an out on the next 1,182 consecutive at-bats, he still would have batted over 300.
0: Wow. (laughs) Wow. Tony Gwynn. Yeah,
2: what a stud!
0: If you make man, make an a argument stud. for the most popular athlete in San Diego sports history. I know it's a generational thing and a sport thing, but he he might win it. He would obviously be in the discussion, but he might he might win. The well,
2: thing. I think he's the, right there uh, with uh, certainly. Most popular San Diego State basketball players, right there with Kawhi Leonard and Joel Kramer.
0: I knew. I knew you'd say Joel Kramer. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. You got one name from the 70s and you just beat it into the ground.
2: <laughs> he played for the Suns when I was a kid. <laughs>
0: Joel Kramer. <laughs> Put Steve Cop next to him. There doesn't, you go. Doesn't it sound like 70. a
2: player that BYU should have, Joel Kramer? Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> if you get my drift.
0: <laughs> After your text a couple nights ago, PK, I knew you were going there.
2: Oh, DJ's going to be man. like, what in the world are we talking about? Don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The question of the day is up, and we're getting a lot of reaction on Facebook and Twitter. We will get to that next, Jazz fans. And how long is this, uh, how long is this hot streak going to continue? Stay with us. Let's clean 2020 out of our carpets. Schedule a no-residue carpet cleaning with Zero Res this month and get three rooms clean for just eighty-nine ninety-five. Search Zero Res Carpet Cleaning to schedule your appointment or call them at 801-288-9376. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We've got the question of the day up this morning. How long are the Jazz going to continue to roll over the competition and have the NBA's best record? And we didn't run that question specifically past David Locke, but we had him on uh, about an hour ago, 45 minutes ago, PK. And listening to him... uh, the NBA's best record? Maybe not. But one of the NBA's top three to five teams? That's just the way it's going to be this year. I think that's how David would sum it up if we had to sum up all the stuff he told us over the course of that 20-minute segment. Uh, this team's at the top of the league and here to stay. Now, are the Lakers better or the Clippers better or whoever? I mean, you can you can mess around the top three or four teams in the league. He seems to think that Denver, that was a 10-12 to 12 game shakeout cruise for them and that the Nuggets are going to join that top group which uh makes sense to me, but the jazz, as far as you know being a fraud or going through some long losing streak that's not that's not happening. They're too good at both ends of the floor.
2: I can't disagree with any of that, man. I mean, just uh what we've seen through uh twenty five percent of the season, I guess it is right? The quarter poll is what we're talking about. I have a hard time finding any big time flaws to where alarms go up and having – looking at, okay, this player, come on, who can conti- – this player is not capable of continuing this. Uh, I don't want to – I never want to limit anybody anyway. Uh, that that seems ridiculous. Uh, and But at the same time, you don't want to beat your head against the wall, wall if the player isn't good enough. You don't want to keep running him out there uh, time after time if he's not good enough. But as I look at this ball club, I don't see anybody – that is just blowing me away to where, wow, I didn't see that coming. Uh, I, I, I just don't see any of those guys. So with that in mind, as long as Gobert is healthy, uh, they're going to have a defensive presence that is unlike any other in the league. And that's a great foundation. Even on nights when the shot isn't falling, you've got the foundation piece. So, you know, injuries can be the great equalizer, in that regard, and you just don't know how that's going to ha- how that's going to play. But you do have a little history of Gobert back when he was with the Clipper when well, the Clipper series, how he came back a little quicker than we thought. So he- some guys heal quick faster and whatnot, and hopefully it doesn't even come to that but you have to think that if that should happen he'll get back as soon as he possibly can i don't question that there's no lingering there so him being there that allows me a level and then i need to build upon that level and they've built upon that level better than i thought now i thought i, I i'm i'm the guy who said i thought they could push for the second seed and i'm reading preseason prognostications and i'm starting to think am i just a big old homer, homer. here
0: <laughs> i was willing to push for 3 and i thought there'd be a pretty good reward for being third and there's still may and i think the locks point about uh you know if you're one you don't have to play the lakers and clippers back to back but let's see how and, and we need a bigger sample size with this Denver team. You lose three rotation guys. I'm looking at a story here that talks about the surprises, the NBA All-Surprise team at the start of the year. They put Jeremy Grant on it. I thought that was a big loss. Not that the other guys weren't losses for Denver. You know, they contributed. Well, you, Plumlee, too. Yeah, yeah Plumlee and You know, it's uh, you lose three guys out of your rotation, and even if they're guys 6, 7, and 8 in your rotation, that's still a hit. You know that that is still a hit, and I don't think the Nuggets lost guys six, seven, and eight. But they may have some young guys who can take on bigger roles. And as long as your your top player is an excellent player, how far can you fall, really? You know. And so if you get a little bit more, maybe you do belong in that top four conversation. So we'll see if the Nuggets play their way into that. It's it's been been going better the last couple weeks for them. Uh, All right, we've to take a break. When we come back, we got people uh, lining up with their reactions to this question, including some amongst you who are very superstitious human beings. How long are the Jazz going to continue to roll over the competition and have the NBA's best record? A lot of your responses, your questions, some interesting points coming off of that, and we will get to it next. Stay with us.